This Spotlight episode of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by Anapsis. Anapsis protects mission-critical applications that run the global economy. The Anapsis platform uniquely delivers actionable insight, secure change, automated governance, and continuous monitoring for critical systems, ERP, CRM, PLM, HCM, SCM, and business intelligence applications from well-known vendors such as SAP, Oracle, and leading cloud applications. Check them out at onapsis.com. Hello, and welcome to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast. I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this edition of the podcast... What they did was uh, they, they said uh, to the systems, Hi, I'm another production uh, SAP system. And they said, oh, hi, welcome aboard. And they gave it a trusted connection into the cluster. You know, this is uh, this is scary. Because my, my jaw immediately hit the floor. I said to the guy that was doing the work, I said, could he, uh, could you create a vendor from here? And he said, sure. And I said, and could you create an invoice? And he said, absolutely. And I said, well, then could you pay the invoice? And said, yep. And none of those things I described were security events. Security experts have been banging the drum about risk-based security for years. The idea is simple. Identify the assets and data within your organization that are mission critical and concentrate your resources, including staff and technology spending, on securing those. That sounds sensible, but are companies listening? By one measure, they are not. Specifically, security for critical business systems such as enterprise resource planning or ERP systems continues to lag. A recent survey of 430 IT decision makers conducted by IDC, for example, found that 64% of ERP deployments had been breached within the preceding 24 months. With all the talk about protecting organizations' crown jewels, how is it that platforms like SAP and Oracle, which are the IT equivalent of the Tower of London, are often left unlocked and unprotected? To understand a bit more about this problem, we invited Jason Fruget into the Security Ledger Studios. He's the Vice President of Business Application Cybersecurity at Onapsis and the former Chief Information Security Officer at the fashion design firm Fossil Group. In this interview, Jason and I talk about both the technical and cultural challenges of securing applications like Oracle and SAP, which are so complex and unique in their design and operation that they often frustrate traditional security and monitoring tools like vulnerability scanners. We also talk about the recent Onapsis publication of a slew of vulnerabilities in the Oracle eBusiness Suite platform, which Onapsis dubbed Big Debit. To start off, I asked Jason to tell us a little bit about himself and also about Onapsis. Uh, Jason Fruget, Vice President, Business Application Cybersecurity for Onapsis. Jason, welcome to Security Ledger Podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. So for listeners who don't know of Onapsis, first of all, tell us a little bit about Onapsis and what uh, your company does. Well, Onapsis is a company that its mission is, is really to protect business critical applications that run the global economy. We have a heavy focus on ERP systems today. We're growing into supporting other systems such as success factors and others. Uh, that we deem kind of mission critical for that purpose. You guys are, are particularly well known for often finding vulnerabilities in platforms like Oracle and SAP and stuff like that. If you've, if you've heard about Anapsis in the cybersecurity space, it's probably something like that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Usually uh, in a given month when, when SAP or Oracle releases their patches, uh, the majority, at least half of those vulnerabilities are identified by our research team. Uh, we place a tremendous amount of focus on finding these issues and then working very closely with the uh, software developers to, to address them um, and, then, and then protect our customers uh, rapidly after that. So before you came to, you've been at Anopsis about a year, but before that, you were the chief information security officer at Fossil, the uh, watchmaker. Many people probably familiar with their products. Um, so, um, and and you noted that kind of what brought you over was this realization that the priorities within large organizations are af- often kind of misplaced in terms of where they're spending money to secure IT assets. So talk just a little bit about that kind of, um, you know, revelation that you had and also kind of what you learned as a chief security officer at a big public facing company that sells into the consumer space. Yeah. So one of my observations over many years has been we take this kind of peanut butter approach where a lot, a lot of times security practitioners will take that kind of approach where they say everything in the company needs to be patched under the same speed and rigor. So the same security uh, protocols and, and timing and everything else. And I found, you know, through my observation that, you know, so many IT constraints, uh, you know, resource issues uh, caused that to just become an impossibility, especially as we get a, a better view of the critical application landscape and the complexities of patching those applications. So the philosophy that I've adopted in, in most recent years is that you really have to apply the most rigor where it matters most. And so the first step, obviously, is understanding what are those most critical applications and then associating it with that critical infrastructure that supports those applications and increasing that rigor and focus there. And I'll tell you a funny story. As I was, uh, as I was starting to get my arms around SAP and building a security strategy for SAP, I was sitting in my office reflecting and I looked over at my printer and I, it just occurred to me that I spend more money and effort patching office printers than I did patching SAP and securing SAP. So I was badly failing at my own uh, philosophy uh, and I had to do something about it. Not that office printers aren't a valuable IT asset to protect, right? But sure. (laughs) in, in In the scheme of things, probably not a top priority, right? Right. So um, why is that? I mean, you would think, obviously, especially these days, because we talk until our face is blue about, you know, taking a you know risk-based approach to security and, and figuring out, you know, where your sensitive data and, and IT assets are and focusing resources and energy on those. And I mean, not that everybody just nods when you start saying those things. So you assume that everyone's got the message. But why is it then still the case that, you know, critical application, you know, uh, ERP, SAP, Oracle um, might still be underfunded when it comes to security? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. Uh, I think for many CISOs, what you don't know, you don't know, right? And so, and we, you know, I, I heard the term recently, Sapanese, you know, uh, just <laughs> because the SAP, for example, ecosystem is so proprietary that it's, it's unlike any application you have in your environment. And the same is true for Oracle eBusiness Suite as well. It goes to the point that, you know, most of us don't know how to ask the right questions uh, about those applications. And when we do, I think the standard response many of us get when we go to our IT leaders, we say, tell me about the SAP security strategy, for example. You might hear, well, it's audited once or twice a year for financial integrity. We have a team dedicated to you know, performing security functions on it. And, uh, and, and you hear, wow, that's great. Okay, good enough. 
Uh, but it really isn't because once you peel back the layers of what does that security team do, it's a it's a very antiquated approach. You know, they'll have, for example, a team dedicated just to looking at toxic combinations with user IDs to make sure people can't perform, you know, functions like create a vendor and then pay the vendor. They have to split those out, uh, you know, to force collusion in, in the organization if something bad were to someone would want to do something bad with that but that isn't enough that used to be enough but as we've seen rises in uh in in people breaching these systems due to configuration issues and patching code uh code issues being inserted that uh that do malicious things uh we're starting to see all these new threat vectors and no one is really addressing this and and so you know for for me i think it's just become something of a blind spot uh, and there's a heavy focus on applying those fundamentals, you know, in, in those patching programs everywhere else. And then these these mission critical applications, which perform the digital supply chain in your company relies on it and everything else are just often overlooked. That's really interesting. Is part of it also just that there's such a concern about loss of availability with these applications because they do such important work that people kind of it's the if it ain't broke, don't fix it type mentality. Right. Um, and people just don't want to don't want to break anything that is absolutely true and i think many of us who've who've run into those walls in the past where we've been told hey we uh we can't scan that system because if you scan it the system will go down you're left with that conundrum of like well that's exactly why i should scan it right because someone else will if i don't yeah yeah. (laughs) right so so yeah we can't allow those uh, systems that are so fragile uh, to get away with that excuse, we have to do something to shore up uh, to shore up the security around them. I, I think that's absolutely, you know. In fact, you know, in another company I was at, where we had an SAP system, the system took three days to restart. It once it once had a, an availability issue, and uh, the system had to be brought up, you know, in pieces. Right? It was a very distributed uh, type application, and it had to be brought up in pieces, and that took three days. So there is a lot of concern, uh, and rightly so, with, with business leaders that we don't want to do anything disruptive to these systems. But at the same time, you know, th- it takes a strong security leader to say, understood, we don't want to do something disruptive, but hackers are a dynamic adversary. Today, they're shifting their focus to these applications, and we have to do something very thoughtfully, very carefully, but we have to do something to prepare these systems to be more resilient. What are we seeing in terms of, you know, the attention that these platforms are getting from cyber adversaries? Because my, my guess is that at a certain level, the sophistication and complexity of these platforms did provide a degree of sort of security through obscurity. Like, you, you know, if you if you weren't an SAP or, or Oracle ninja, um, maybe as, a, as an adversary, maybe you would uh, be hard put to uh, attack these applications. But what are we seeing these days? You know, you're seeing a lot of a lot of fraudulent type activity. Uh, you know, we we get engaged in you know, it's hard to be very specific, obviously, due to unable to talk about specific breaches. But we do get involved in, in a variety of different uh, issues. Um, it's very easy for you know corporate espionage, free to sabotage uh, your competitor's supply chain, for example. Uh, it's it's a simple scenario like if you had a a 30 day reorder of certain parts. If someone were to enter the system and change that 30 to 300, it would be very disruptive to your supply chain because now you're on a 10-month rotation as opposed to a one-month. And and finding that issue and then attributing it to a breach is very difficult because uh, it just looks like a simple mistake that someone made. So we see things like that. I can tell you a story. Uh, we were once doing an assessment. You're listening to a spotlight a edition of the Security Ledger uh, podcast sponsored by Onapsis. Where we do this free of charge. We'll come in and just do a black box assessment of like your source code or your and your 
patching and config and just a holistic view. And then we work with you to understand how you use the system and tell you what those impacts could be uh, if you were breached in these certain ways. And one time we were doing that specifically looking at code and we came across this uh, this exfiltration code. And, and this is proprietary code, by the way. This is uh, what's called ABOP code or advanced business application programming code. And it's very it's proprietary to SAP. Uh, and it's it's uh, the capability to do something malicious is is very high in there. In this particular situation, we found this script that someone had written that at the end of every quarter, it would gather up the financial data and then it would email it to someone's Gmail address. And in the middle of that, and this was a publicly held company too, by the way. So it was a big deal to find that. And the uh, the people we were talking to said, hold on, we've got to stop right now. We're going to go address this. We'll be back. And after a period of time, they came back and they said that developer who wrote that code had left the company six years prior. So that had been going on for six years. And that's, that's an example of an insider threat scenario, but you know that's a big deal. Uh, and nobody had the, the, the tools or the capabilities uh, to look at that ABAP code to find issues like that. And we, and we see those kinds of issues quite a bit. So it's uh, that's just an example. Uh, I could give others. <laughs> so first of all, these applications, many of them have been around for, for decades, right? I mean, Oracle, SAP, both of them have been serving the business community in this way for, for a long time. So there's probably, so there's almost certainly a, a code base here that in some areas is probably old. And these are really at the heart of uh, what sophisticated businesses do and their IT operations. And so, you know, like you don't want to mess around with your heart or your brain, like you don't want to mess around with these things either. But on the other hand, we haven't seen necessarily the same response on the security front from these vendors that we have from, let's say, a vendor like Microsoft, you know, which in the early 2000s, you know, famously with trustworthy computing, really did a pivot on security. I don't know that I've that I'm aware of uh, SAP and Oracle doing the same type of ground up, you know, re-architecting for security. Are we kind of seeing, are we like uh, basically reaping the fruits of, of that, that, that this has just been a, a problem that has not been dealt with in, a, in like a holistic fashion at these organizations? Absolutely. I, I think that, you know, the reason Microsoft has responded uh, the way you describe is because it's been required of them, right? The different companies have said, we have an expectation that you, you know, take certain steps and, and uh, give us certain capabilities to ease patching and everything else. Uh, we haven't seen that as prevalently in, in the ERP space uh, with either Oracle or SAP. So uh, we're starting to, and, you know, certainly both Oracle and SAP have some built-in tools to assist with uh, patching and identifying config issues. And, uh, but they're not, yeah, similar to like Microsoft's own security tools, most enterprises aren't leveraging them exclusively. Uh, they don't have, for example, like we have at Onapsis, a dedicated team of, of uh, security researchers um, and, and a focus on simply securing it, right? Their, their primary focus is on business enablement versus on application security. So we work, we work well together. We take any of the security capabilities that they do have today, which to your point are not that advanced, but we do take them and we make them very sophisticated and very advanced when we, when we overlay it with our capabilities. Uh, Jason, uh, Anapsis just uh, released a report on a couple of vulnerabilities, quite serious ones, um, that you guys are calling Big Debit, and um, these affect the Oracle platform. Can you just tell us a little bit about those and, and um, kind of what if, uh, folks are out there using Oracle General Ledger, uh, which is effect, what they need to know? Absolutely. So last week, we published a report that the Anapsis research team had uncovered this, as you called, big debit vulnerability. And we've been working with Oracle to 
create patches because there's really no other workaround for the uh, for the vulnerability. It's a big deal. It's quite an exposure. It allows someone unauthenticated to break into the system and using the general ledger, which is a powerhouse application inside the e-business suite, they can commit all kinds of fraud. They can redirect payments. They could modify your company's financial ledger. All your all your data could be manipulated. And it's very difficult to detect, and it can only be fixed with the patch. Um, our research shows there's roughly 21,000 implementations of eBusiness Suite, and uh, roughly around half of them are vulnerable to this. So it's it's something we really want to get the word out about and, uh, and make sure people are uh, reacting quickly because it is very serious. These big debit vulnerabilities in, in Oracle eBusiness Suite, where do things stand today? There's not an active exploit on it, but it's an example of uh, something you need to address quickly. There's there's just no way to fix it without the patch. And a lot of times, too, we see people who think they've applied a patch might believe they're secure, but if they don't have the ability to reassess that system with a tool like Onapsis provides, they can't confirm that the patch was effective and that it was applied properly. And so even even in some cases where they think they're secure, they're still So they're is, still the, is the problem with delayed patching on these platforms one of a lack of tools or or is it more of the sort of cultural stuff that we were talking about, just you know, fear of breaking stuff or just not a not a high priority put on applying patches for these systems? Well I think it's it's a it's a little both. I think the um, you know, many people take for granted that they're, they're tools they have. And, you know, listen, you know, as C says, we've all invested quite heavily. Our companies have invested quite heavily in, in equipping us with tools to scan a variety of different things. But these, you know, systems like Oracle and systems like SAP are so proprietary that the scanners you have uh, don't work. They don't, you know, you can point, uh, you know, a Qualys or something like that at these systems. They, they literally don't know what to do with the system. So they don't turn back and tell you about the vulnerability. So while well, you might assume that you've got this comprehensive view of your vulnerability and application landscape, you're missing big pieces of, of information. And so you can't properly uh, report on it and provide the governance uh, capabilities that would normally you know, give you some data. So you could go back to the, uh, the, the IT organization or the executive team and, and dimension the severity of those problems. You just simply don't have the information. And so without it, it's, it's, it's hard for the company to respond, right, and, and put focus on, on those patching activities and maintenance activities that they should be doing. Uh, so, it's so it's so important to kind of assess that gap and figure out how to get that information into your governance process so you can start to react to it. You mentioned that these companies are starting to pivot, take security more seriously, build in more sophisticated features for, you know, monitoring security events and logs and so on. Another big change, of course, is a lot of these platforms are moving to the cloud if they haven't already. Does that change the story or the posture of these applications uh, security-wise for companies? Oh, 100%. When, a lot of times when I talk with CISOs, one of the things that I hear back, which I think is kind of unfortunate, people will say, well, I know that application might have some vulnerabilities and it might be, we might have underinvested in securing it, but it's still behind our firewall. Uh, so we we know it's still safe, and there's this kind of illusion, uh, and I still and I think that's kind of yesterday's thinking too, where we say you know uh, the the perimeter firewall is sufficient, and and really you know I think today we can generally agree that the data uh, is where the perimeter needs to be, right? And so uh, putting putting security solutions on your critical applications is the only way to keep you know track of insider threats and and all the other things that are on your network, third party connections, and that aren't accounted for because uh, we really don't you know, often know our full landscape. But when people move to the cloud, that breaks that paradigm because now they're like, well, it's not behind my firewall anymore. 
it's behind someone else's. And so those those particular you know folks with that uh, mentality that the firewall was sufficient now have to kind of uh, reconcile that with the fact that their data is now on someone else's uh, network. And so then they'll come and look at solutions like ours. My point of view is that we're <laughs> we do secure it in the cloud. Uh, we're just as important on prem, uh, but but certainly we're, we're equally important in both places. Uh, so the cloud brings a lot of you know, new capability, uh, but it also brings some new exposure as well. So we, we certainly can address that. How do attacks on these platforms start? I mean, my guess is they, they probably start like other uh, attacks with, you know, account takeovers and credential theft and, and those types of things. But are, are there any, you know, telltales that, that organizations can look to um, as uh, evidence that something might be amiss? The anatomy of a, of a ERP breach is, is often similar to, to other, you know, breach anatomies that we look at. But Sometimes they're just far more basic. I'll give an example uh, my, my, from my own experience. When I was at Fossil, I had a, uh, a risk illustration done from Onapsis, and it was literally less than 60 seconds. Uh, the person had taken over what I would call a root-level uh, permission on my system without, without any credential theft or anything. They didn't even try force attack. What they did was uh, they, they said, uh, to the systems, hi, I'm another production uh, SAP system. And they said, oh, hi, welcome aboard. And they gave it a trusted connection into the cluster. Uh, so they just kind of faked being uh, an SAP system and suddenly they were in. And when they were in there, <clears throat> you know, this is uh, this is scary. Because my, my jaw immediately hit the floor. I said to the guy that was doing the work, I said, could he, uh, could you create a vendor from here? And he said, sure. And I said, and could you create an invoice? And he said, absolutely. And I said, well, then could you pay the invoice? And he said, yep. <laughs> so I went to uh, went to my CFO and I said, you know, if something like that happened, could we detect it? And and we could, but it would be, you know, seven days out and it would have been a manual process. Uh, and none of those things I described were security events. And the actual joining of the, of the system, the way that he did that to mimic himself being an SAP system, that wasn't detected by any of my security surveillance systems. We didn't see it happen at all. And so you you know you're seeing a scenario where a security event took place that I couldn't t- see, and now we have this fraud take place that I also can't see. Uh, and we actually are you know uniquely positioned, I think, as a product to uh, to secure that scenario quite well. But also we can promote those uh, non-security events I described, uh, creating a vendor, creating a voice, and paying it. Those can all now be promoted to your sim, right? So you can put that in Splunk or XBeam or whatever. And now you can, because they're still not security events, you can dimension the time. So like the normal course of business, you could say, if you see those three things happen in less than 24 hours, that's probably a fraud activity and send a note to finance so they can investigate. Um, and so now you've got this new, I call it like next level security capability where you're looking at the normal course of business, not just traditional security things. And you're providing a whole new level of value back to your CFO and, and other uh, folks in the business that uh, they've never been able to rely on security for that before. What, what typically is the lag time for, in your experience, for people applying uh, critical patches? Do these tend to get applied pretty quickly or, or not? Um, it's kind of mixed. I, I think some companies are very responsive, uh, but on the whole, you know, we have some vulnerabilities that are absolutely critical, and we've been talking about them for, in some cases, 10 years. We've even had the Department of Homeland Security issue bulletins on some of these issues, uh, and they're still not getting uh, the response, right? They're still not getting taken care of. So they've been out there for 10 plus years, and they're so easy to exploit. It's uh, it's very important to incorporate that ERP data into your, your understanding of the vulnerability landscape uh, in your company so you can address those critical findings. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's just one of those things that isn't often done, isn't always done. It's a very worthy uh 
exercise to go through and, and make sure you're gathering that data. You've got a, a scanner that does understand SAP and does understand Oracle so you can incorporate. It's really the only way to get it addressed. So you mentioned um, when you were at Fossil kind of having having a, a risk assessment done on um, uh, on your environment there. That's one of the services that, that Anapsis performs. Like if, if listeners hear that and they're interested in having that done within their own environment, um, what can they do to make that happen? Great question. So they can head over to anapsis.com. And from there, they'll see a link to request a business risk illustration. Uh, this is a very low time commitment for them. But what we'll do is come in and perform a black box assessment. So there's nothing installed, uh, no, no credentials needed. Uh, it looks at a portion of the vulnerabilities that we can assess from a black box perspective. And then we interview them about how they use the applications. And, and from that, we do an impact assessment. So we say, okay, these are the vulnerabilities and this is how badly it could, uh, it could affect your organization if these were exploited. Uh, it's a it's a very worthwhile activity. If you haven't done one before, I would strongly encourage it. Uh, anytime that you're taking on a new challenge like this in security, as, as all of your listeners know, you have to build a business case. And this is a great way to kickstart that process. We give you a ton of data. And as I mentioned, it's completely free. Uh, very worthwhile. Jason Fouget of Anapsis, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on Security Ledger Podcast. My pleasure. Jason Fouget is the Vice President of Business Application Cybersecurity at Onapsis. You've been listening to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast sponsored by Onapsis. Onapsis protects mission-critical applications that run the global economy. The Onapsis platform uniquely delivers actionable insight, secure change, automated governance, and continuous monitoring for critical systems, ERP, CRM, PLM, HCM, SCM, and business intelligence applications from well-known vendors such as SAP, Oracle, and leading cloud applications. Check them out at onapsis.com. Onapsis.